Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller, Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness podcast. Uh, Pete, um, just on a macro level, uh, how are you feeling? You know, just a quick reaction about, you know, how you feel about the Billiken's performance this weekend. I'm... I'm okay. I think you're uh, based on a little uh, pre-chat we did. I think you're in a little bit better shape than I am. I was really down about that Davidson performance. I think I just, uh, and we'll get to this, but I just don't know what it is about that team that we just cannot figure out and why they have us so figured out. I mean, it's, it's just so dramatic with them compared to anyone else really liked our performance against LaSalle, obviously. And um, with Bonaventure, a win is a win. And um, the, def- the defensive effort in those first two games, especially at arguably the first 10 minutes of the Davidson game as well, was excellent. So um, I-, I love to see that. What about you? How are you feeling? You know, I was, uh, I think at the end of the day, I was, uh, I was disappointed because I was uh, planning on going to DC. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think in the back of my head, I, I wasn't hanging my hopes on it. Um, you know, I was happy at a macro level that we we really competed at a level that we knew we could, um, minus obviously the Davidson performance. I thought the Davidson performance uh, was just really lackluster, and I think even the good parts of that performance really kind of ticked me off. Um, the three-point shooting of Hargrove, empty production. I mean, it's Nesbitt shooting and making one three. Like that drove me up a wall just because if we're going to suck, can we just suck all the way through? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hey, we'll get into it. I think more. And before we do, uh, I again, want to talk to you guys about wheelhouse bicycle shop and grief core. Uh, whether you're looking for a super, super nice, uh, top of the line bike, like I recently was, or, uh, you're just looking to get your kid, a, a bike with some training wheels, uh, or just looking to get one for yourself for the for the spring and summer months and, and you know, the fall. Uh, go see Nathan Leventhal first at 770 North New Ballast Road in Creve Coeur. Uh, you can also check them out online at wheelhousebicycle.com. They're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Go check him out. He really does know his stuff, and he, and he really does care about his customers. Um, it, 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 your trip will be well worth it, uh, whether you buy from him or somebody else. Um, but let's get rolling uh, with Thursday's result, uh, this game really not, not much. We can, you know, him and haw about it's 71 51 win versus LaSalle. Um, it's a game the Billikens had to win Pete. Everybody talks about that dreaded third game. You beat a team two times in the regular season, and then you've got to face them a third time in the conference tournament. It can always be that kind of kiss of death. You know, it's tricky. And, um, I just did not feel that way going into this one. I was like, I've seen absolutely nothing from LaSalle this season that scares me. Could we, lo- we could lose to anybody on any day. I w- I'm not foolish enough to think that anything's impossible. Um, and like I've said all season, I like more. I like Clark. They've got a, you know, I liked Nickelberry. I think he's kind of given up, but um, we come out against this team and it was a laugher from the start. Um, I think it got up to a 33 point lead at one point early in the second half or mid second half. Um, I, I cannot say enough about what Okoro did at both ends in this game. Um, you know, Clifton Moore goes one for 10 from the field. Um, Okoro in the meantime goes for 17 and 13 
uh, two blocks, just an absolute monster in this game. So methodical, deliberate, effective. Um, they were just hopeless against him. Actually, LaSalle was earlier in the year at LaSalle was one of his better games. I think he had like 19 and nine or 19 and seven, something like that. So um, they, they've had trouble stopping him all year, but yeah, I mean, really the only, the only kind of odd note in this one is when we did go up 33 and it might've been a little bit less than that when we started to take the starters out and then the second string comes in and the lead vanishes. Well, it didn't vanish, but it goes down to about 17 or so. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, Yuri and Jimerson and Fred and all these guys have to come back in. So that was a little, uh, that was a little upsetting um, because you'd like to see the, the, the second team do a little bit better than that. Yeah, no, that was, that was really annoying. And you could see Fred Thatch was just, was just not, not happy right uh, with the guys and and that's something again i think they talked about on the broadcast you want to see from your uh your t- your team leader your you know he may be only a a redshirt sophomore but um he really is the kind of uh de facto old guy on the roster that's been here for a while so uh and he continues to have success versus LaSalle too uh yeah. this, he seems to really have their number i mean i think we have LaSalle's number in general yeah, but, certainly this um, season. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, the team went – I really thought it, the team shot well too, uh, 5 of 20 from three-point range, with four of those being Williams in garbage time, just chucking. So, right. I mean, this was this was what it was. It was an appetizer not only for Francis Okoro with Clifton Moore uh, going into – Potentially Oshuna, well, definitely Oshuna Shunahi. So, I mean, it, you saw what you wanted to see, and and it was definitely, I think, um, a, a Koro, the start of Okoro's coming out party in this tournament. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it's just a game we had to take care of business, and aside from a few minutes in the middle of the second half, we pretty much did. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Bonaventure got that double buy. Uh, so they were waiting for us. Uh, and, and this game was one that, um, you know, I was oddly confident in, and I know I can say that, uh, <laughs> you know, hindsight 2020, but I think most of what I've been, had been saying through my own Twitter account and the podcast Twitter account is that looking, you look back at the Billiken's history, right? And you, especially that, what was that? The 2013 year when we beat VCU three times. I yeah. said it's it's damn near impossible to beat a team three times, and I don't think Bonaventure is that good. I think Bonaventure was good, but I don't think they are three times in a year good. I think Davidson is three times in a year good, no doubt, mm-hmm. but Bonaventure, no way. How did you feel going into this one? Well, and and yeah, and there's Bonaventure by the way popping up on the NIT bracket <laughs> as we. Uh, I'm a little behind because I have uh, I have Directv Stream. Okay. Well, I'm always... uh, yeah. So they're going, it looks like they're going to Colorado. Um, I was, I was hoping an, an A10 team came up in this part of the bracket. So they didn't put us all on one side, regardless. Yes. Bonaventure. Uh, you're right. I, I think that rule is certainly true against two good teams. So we just talked about that against LaSalle and uh, LaSalle was hopeless against us in all three games. Yes. Um, I meant to look up what we beat them by collectively this season. Um, but I think it was actually over 60 because I know we beat them by 26 and we beat them by 20. And I think we beat them in the high teens and in, in that other game. 
So we, so we beat them by over 60 points in three games this year. Regardless, that is not the situation with um, with SLU and Bonaventure. You know, they they did they beat us twice. I wanted to split that series. Um, that was kind of my realistic goal in that one. I really was pretty disheartened when we lost that first one at home because I know how hard it is to win there with something we haven't done since 2013. Um, and Bonaventure has come on strong of late. I know they've had little injuries kind of coming up all year long and Oshun rolled an ankle, you know, late in the, you know, their last regular season game or second to last regular season game. And there's some question about him, but he played their last game. And, um, you know, we, we know that they really only go five deep and barely use that bench. Um, but all of that aside, they were, they were picked to win this conference. And, and that had me nervous going into it because, because it's kind of like their last hurrah. I think, you know, I, I don't think those guys are coming back. And, um, and I, I thought they were just going to give it one more go. And that's kind of what had me nervous about this one. So I wasn't quite as optimistic as you going into it, but uh, this was a game where my heart rate uh, just could, I couldn't slow it down the entire time. It was, it was wire to wire. I pound, like just heart pounding in this one. Yeah, I mean, I was pacing. I was in 2019 A10 tournament mode, uh, pacing, <laughs> pacing back and forth in my apartment, uh, watching this one. This, uh, what do you attribute? Uh, because I mean, this was this was the quintessential. This was the key game in the in the Okoro coming out party that was this weekend. What do you attribute? the success in this game against Oshunahi. I mean, you talked a little bit about a, uh, an ankle or, you know, a, an injury to his lower body of some sort, but I mean, do you, do you think this was Okoro? Do you think this was game planning? Do you think it was a combination of Okoro game planning and Oshunahi being a little dinged up? I mean, where do you stand and what did you see in the game? What did you see from the strategy? I didn't see anything from Oshuni that led me to believe that he was hobbled. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure his ankles were taped <laughs> like they, like they were concrete blocks, you know, like I, <laughs> I'm sure they had those things as taped as they, they could possibly be. Um, it, it didn't look like his mobility was an issue. I, I, I really just think Okoro played him so much better in this game. And the, the other thing we were doing, and I, I think I said this to you as the game was going on or right after the game or something like that, um, we did a really good job on the weak side, kind of keeping Oshuni a little honest because there were a lot of layups early in the first half where we'd have shorter guys. Uh, Yuri had one thatch had, I think two, um, you know, our bigs had a few where we were, we were laying it, we were kind of taking it at Oshuni, but given his, you know, seven, eight wingspan or whatever he's got, um, we did a good job both in Okoro kind of sealing him. And then, um, you know, we'd have guys on, on the weak side as well, uh, kind, of, kind of pulling him over, you know, even before that. So, so he was always getting to those, those layups, those shots, just a split second too late to do what he, he does and, and block shots. Because he's had plenty of games where he blocks five or more shots against us. Um, I, I thought our strategy of going at him was a lot smarter in this game. And um, I think he wound up with a second foul late in the first half, but not until like two minutes or so left. So, so that wasn't a really big factor. Um, and he just, he looked off frustrated offensively. Um, we, we played him straight up again. Okoro did a masterful job the way he did on more the day before. Um, 
the defensive effort from SLU in this one from from beginning to end was just incredible. I, I, I think I think it all starts there. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and you talked about uh, Franco, you know, taking uh, Oshunahi out of uh, the Oshunahi's defensive posture. I mean, how many times do were you watching this game and said, "Great seal by Okoro," because I said it all damn game. Yeah, I love he he is getting so good, and it reminds me of. Uh, you know, Majerus era, you know, Lowe was really, really good at sealing off, uh, defenders for guys like Mitchell McCall and Jet. He really was. Yeah. That, I mean, an underrated Lowe is one of those players where like all of the little things he did kind of have been so overlooked for so long, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, shades of shades of Rob Lowe for sure. Do you, uh, watching this game, we were up, I think 10 at one point, right? Um, I think, yeah, in the, uh, was that in the late first half or early? No, that I, late, it was in the first half, I think. Yeah. Right? I mean, do you think oh, that there was already. an, do you think there was a, um, a little bit of a letdown? Do you think we let them come in? Would you consider this one of the games where we maybe let a lead evaporate? Because I, I mean, I don't know if I can really be upset with it. I mean, Bonaventure is that good of a team. Uh, it's not like we, you know, stopped playing well. It just kind of, you know, basketball is a game of runs. You know, I, I didn't feel like it was that big of an issue. No, it, it you know, it really didn't. Um, I guess, that, yeah, now that you put it that way, it really didn't strike me as one of those games where we kind of gave up. Uh, yeah, okay, here it is, right in the middle of the second half. We get, uh, it's 47-37 with 11 minutes to play, or 10-57. Uh, Jimerson hit a three, and that was after a, um, a Hargrove dunk. I kind of I remember that. Um, Jimerson had another three a few, uh, you know, two minutes before that. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then they hit a three not long after and kind of kind of whittle it down from there. Um it didn't really feel like given the way that this game was being played defensively both ways. I, I didn't think that this was a game where we necessarily coughed it up. Like I know people have said that we've said that about Belmont, UAB, Auburn, plenty of other games. You're, you're right. The, the vibe was totally different here. I think cause it was so low scoring. Like it, it just never really felt real. Right. I mean, if that was 68, 58, it feels like a different story almost. Yeah, I, I just I I thought the Billikens just just played really well in this game. Um, you know, Jimerson being besides, you know, Okoro is going to get the headlines for how he handled Oshuni. Uh Linson, I don't think gets enough credit for the six minutes he put in. Um, he had uh, a couple of re- one really nice uh, post move. I believe he beat Oshunahi on. It might have been Kulabali. Uh, but I, I really liked Martin Linson in this game. Uh, Nesbitt got some, some, some flack online. I know that, uh, especially given what happened allegedly after the game. <laughs> I, I don't even want to touch that. It's so stupid. I can't even stand it. Um, but Jimerson in this one, man, I mean, yeah. what a game for like maybe the game of his one of the games of his career, 40 minute shift, seven of 14 from the field, including six of nine from beyond the arc. 
Um, just an outstanding game all the way around when the Billikens really needed it because you look at the rest of the roster and they go, uh, what, 0 for 5? 0 for 5. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we needed it in this one. Yeah, we needed every single one that he made. Um, and and accusations of him not being able to hit a big shot, I think, are hopefully behind us because yes. uh, he was not only the only one making shots, but uh, there were some really clutch timing uh, on, on his shot, on some of his makes in this one. He was excellent. I mean, he he really was. He didn't really get it going from from mid-range or, or inside at all like he's done in other games. And 20 points is is by no means his highest scoring performance of the season. He's had, he's had plenty of outbursts. But for him to play 40 minutes, and I know Jimerson can kind of get picked on sometimes defensively, and certainly early in this game, they Bonaventure was trying to do that. Um, but to his credit, he really did not budge. And the team defense was such a fantastic effort around him as well. Um, it allowed him to play 40 minutes and, and be so effective on offense. You know, if we're, if we're going back to Nesbitt, 0 for 8 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, I think the four fouls might be the bigger story because I think he was getting incredibly frustrated. I know the way a lot of us were as SLU fans. <laughs> Um, some of the calls on him and, and, and in general were, were mystifying to me. I think he was pretty frustrated. And I think, you know, um, that, that may have spilled over a little bit, <laughs> you know, not, not that I want to get into all that, uh, lunacy from, from Twitter either, but, um, Twitter you know, and lunacy. No. Yeah. Yeah. The, the six hour outrage cycle that, you know, whatever he said, it legitimately shows. like that is how it kind of rolls. It, it, Things will go off for about five hours, five, six hours, and then nobody remembers. Like, nobody's talking about it today. Nobody. No, or, I haven't or, seen or, yesterday. or yesterday. Or yesterday, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so so I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I, I think he was just frustrated. And and this is one of those things where I, he's got a lot to, to learn. He's got a lot to work on in the offseason. He's so talented. I, I just... You know, I've, I've still get really optimistic about what he can do. He and made he some really again. nice plays. He had a right. nice rebound. You just saw what I saw. Uh, no, it hasn't popped up for me. Oh yet. boy. That's an interesting one. Okay. There we are. St. Louis yeah. and it three seed on the, on the right bracket. Northern Iowa. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I, and the winner gets BYU or long, long beach state. Yeah. Hmm. Take a trip out west. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right back to the show. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that later. Um, let's let's go ahead and uh, run. Th- well, first of all, I want to point out DeAndre Jones because I thought he had a really really nice game in this one. Um, nothing too fancy. I think he made one shot. He made a really nice layup. Uh, we're still talking about Bonaventure. Yes. Yes. Wasn't that him? Wasn't that? Or no, was that he, against he didn't score in this one. Oh, sorry. That was against Davidson. He, no, he had... we got almost nothing off the bench in this Bonaventure game. Yeah. We almost, that was, we almost... Okay. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. Okay. Yeah. Our bet. Do you think that was a concerted effort by Ford to maybe match what Bonaventure does as far as, I mean, do you think that Bonaventure, I feel like Bonaventure can win because they don't have a lull in their game, right? Mm. Whereas, you know, when you bring out your start, do you think Ford was maybe trying to counteract that and not allow their starters 
to feast on certain guys. I, I mean, given what we saw against LaSalle 24 hours earlier, um, mm. very well, maybe. But I, and I'd, I'd have to go back and watch those other two Bonaventure games because uh, I don't I don't remember, you know, like qu quite what the plus minus was when we were uh, making certain substitutions in that game. But clearly based on what they had done the day before and, and, and perhaps maybe even more importantly in the previous two Bonaventure games, maybe there are just dudes who get a little more, um, you know, who just don't match up well with Bonaventure. Sure. But starting five against starting five and Bonaventure had the celebrated starting five coming into this conference season. Um, but this was, this was about as even a, a heavyweight fight as you could see. I mean, this was, you know, we out Bonaventure out, you know, St. Bonaventure. And, um, I guess we can go ahead and cover it now, but we, we did get some luck at the very end. Yeah. Let's run through the final play. Actually, hold on. Let's, we got some bad luck and some luck, right? That, that's very it, true. it really was it really this was the ultimate case of ball don't lie because mm -hmm. first of all kyle lofton punched a coro in the ribs i'm sorry that's what happened maybe it was a forearm but it was still closed fist and it was a jab at the ribs that's not yeah. that's not up for contest however uh let's see i had it up i had oh my god you're so the dumb. play by play so yeah so i got it Play-by-play. Play. Okay, so here's how it went down. Okay. With uh, the last bucket made by the Billikens was at 17 seconds. Uh, Gibson Jimerson off an assist from Yuri Collins. It was a really nice mid-range jumper. And we did get a little lucky uh, off of that. You know, you had, I believe there was three misses or two misses that led up to uh, a jump ball. And the jump ball was in our favor. Uh, and that is how we had the ball going into that, uh, the Gibson Jimerson jumper. So he makes a jumper from the baseline mid range. His only two pointer of the game. Yes. Uh, 32nd timeout by Bonaventure, I believe. Um, and this they, is at, they, so that the, he makes it at 17. They get it in bounds timeouts at the 13 second mark. Right. Um, uh, Bonaventure draws up a play, and I think I texted you. They want to set up a mid-range jumper <laughs> because uh, if you've paid attention to any of these three games against St. Bonaventure, uh, the one place they feasted besides Oshun Oshunahi is the mid-range, yeah, big time. Um, it ends up being a runner by Ger uh, by Jaron Holmes. Uh, I was surprised that Jaron Holmes took the shot. Uh, I, yeah. I think that says a lot about the Billikens' defense. Um, but uh, the ball gets knocked around, and, and Nesbitt took a lot of flack for not being able to corral this rebound. Uh, okay, fine. Your thoughts? It was, you know... Not not the best <laughs> right. se sequence in general by Nesbitt. And in terms of the contact, uh, you know, between him and Lofton on that rebound, like, yeah, he probably should have had the rebound in the first place. Uh, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a. He's literally just turning around to get the ball. It's a, like it's He a, has no idea that Lofton's there. It's not a call you never see, right? I mean, you, you do see that call. Yeah, I think it's for sure a foul, first of all. 
in this situation, it's not something you always see called. You know, like refs tend to let that more incidental kind of rebound collision kind of contact go a little bit more when it's this tight at the very, very end of a game. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I was a little, I was really surprised to hear the whistle when it happened though. I, I guess I was caught off guard by it. Absolutely. I, I, I wasn't, I was, I was surprised. I wasn't shocked. I thought it was, I thought it was definitely a foul. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it stinks uh, that they called it. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I really was kind of convinced he was going to make one of two. Uh, I don't know why. I think, <laughs> I think yeah. I was just, I was like, I was just like, okay, like just one of two, one of two. So, is so fine. You're, you're mentally preparing for overtime. Yeah. And well, it's funny because I'm watching Barstool uh, Sportsbook uh, live stream because they do like a gambling cave live stream. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys, Rico Bosco, had uh, the Billikens plus one and a half. And then Jersey Jerry, these people are inconsequential human beings. Um, but he had the uh, the over. So he's hoping for overtime, which right. we they, they, nobody the the over was nowhere no, close to hitting. But right. uh, so they're locked into this, and I just I I knew he I thought he was gonna miss one of two, and I I just could not believe he missed uh, miss both. And, and to be fair, it's questionable whether he should have even been at the line. Not, I'm not saying he was, wasn't fouled. I'm saying there was an issue with the clock, Peter. So this only came to our attention a few hours after the fact. And, um, the first time I saw it, Stu Durando retweeted the guy. Um, I, I guess Stu said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if he was like, uh, back at his hotel room or something like that, but he was like, uh, just you know what what questions do you have and this guy one of the first questions um this guy sends him john labello is his name mm-hmm. a, a video clip of the last uh sequence and the, the you know bonaventure that that shot by holmes that was kind of from like the a10 logo at the top the top of the keep in front of the free throw line as holmes is dribbling there um he puts up the shot and the, the shot like kind of bounces off the rim and right at about the 3.2 second mark, the clock freezes for about a whole second for just about one second, I think is kind of what we timed it out at. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when that, when that foul gets called um, on the rebound that Nesbitt Nesbitt goes after knocks over Lofton, the clock stops at 1.1, they call the foul. Then they go over to the monitors because they want to make sure that the 1.1 is right. Well, then they say, well, we called the foul technically a little earlier, so it's 1.8. So not only did the clock stop at 3.2, and it should have been a a whole second shaved off of there, well, now they add another 0.7 seconds on top of it. And look, there may have still been enough time. There probably was a split, you know, two to whatever tenths of a second where he would have had time to shoot the free throws. But when he missed the second free throw, and got his own rebound and had a putback, he would not have had time to do that um, had the clock malfunction, whatever you want to call it, not happened, right? Yeah, I think it was going to be very, very close. Yeah, I mean, it was I, just a, a putback. But it still. was, it, yeah, it was going to be very, very close. Uh, 
Luckily, uh, it didn't matter in the end. And uh, I mean, they even had a shot at, at uh, a putback right after that for the second free throw miss. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. We really need to be better rebounding. Like I, every every damn broadcast, they talk about how good of a rebounding team we are, and I laugh <laughs> because we stink. Like, we, were we just that good with? Hassan and Jordan that like th- this just seems awful now uh, maybe that's part of it it's it's almost like big moment rebounds are the issue right because if you look on paper we are a pretty good rebounding team um but then you 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 look at some of these game situations and there have been times where we're just like well, you get, guys what's going on here <laughs> you know like uh yeah. So, so I, I almost think like, that's it. Like over the course of the season, we look better than, than, than we have in certain like big moments and big games. I I've been trying to look at uh, Northern Iowa, pull up Northern Iowa. I have no idea what to make of this. I am. <laughs> I, I have no idea what is going to happen. I, I, I we're going to, we'll get into it. Yeah. It looks like uh, Davidson Davidson West is coming to play us. Um, great uh, just what we needed strictly visually speaking (laughs) uh, oh gotcha (laughs) yeah um yeah let's uh yeah i'm uh, the the i don't even want to talk about this game i hate talking about i hate talking about losses i'm such a poor loser yeah i i don't know how much we actually need to get into the details of this one because i just I don't understand how, like, I, I, it's, how does a team like Richmond stop Davidson, but we cannot? Is it just, is it basketball intelligence? Are we pulling in players that, that don't know how to make adjustments themselves? Um, Or no, you know, is it experience? Is it, I, I, I don't know, man. Talk to so, me. the thing, um, yeah, I mean, I have not. That's the problem with our matchups with Davidson is I have nothing but questions <laughs> coming All out. Right, of these. Bro, throw out your questions. I, I think we need. Well, I mean, at a high level, why do? It's what I asked earlier. Why do they have our number? Why can we not solve this team at all? Um, you look at some of the things that we do well, and you look at the things that they do well and you kind of go, and then I've like, I've watched Davidson play several games this season um, that didn't involve us. And every time I watch them, you know, it's like, it's obvious, like this is a really good shooting team. You know, it's kind of what they do. They're not super tough. This seems like coming off the two games he had before a game that Francis Okoro should really shine in. Um, It seems like a game that Linson could spell him and do pretty well in. Uh, It seems like a game that guys like, um, Nesbitt and and Hargrove could be productive at the rim or or Thatch and even Collins could get to the rim um I I just I kind of look at Davidson and go our points in the paint should be absurd against this team it just should and we're going to give up some threes fine they shoot well um but we should defend them well enough in other ways we should re we should out rebound them by a lot and um it just never comes together like that at all and for the first 10 minutes, it kind of looked like we would have played them tough. Um, and then I think th- they hit back-to-back threes. 
Um, and I'm trying to find these. Yeah. So this is, it was Grant Hoffman who hit that. Yeah. And, and, um, and it really was kind of late in the half. Uh, yeah, we didn't, we really oh, had an opportunity. No, we, sorry. I, I got the wrong, the wrong point. Okay. So they're up. Yeah. So this, this is where it happened. So when they were up 21, 18 at the under eight media timeout, and then they hit Michael Jones, uh, who? Brock of Mike, Mike Jones. Sorry. It's Michael. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, it's Brockovich. So stupid. Uh, Brockovich. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, Fred gets a couple points back with a layup and then they hit two more. So it was like two threes, um, uh, interrupted by one of our layups and then two more. And, and that was it. And then it was just off to the races. And that was in the span of about a minute and a half, uh, at right after the under eight media timeout until the under eight media timeout, we were in this game, you know, we really were. And, and, but I think at this, while we were in the game, we were in the game because, Davidson was cold, not because we were keeping up with Davidson. Um, does I that still, make sense? Does that make sense though? Am I, it, am I like the, does the point make sense? Not that it's correct. It, it, it does, but I still think we were doing a better job of yes. guarding the perimeter, at least in our half court offense. And that's, that leads me to kind of the other point here is these, those first two, three pointers that I mentioned by, by Jones, Brockovich, and then the next two, uh, the first one was off on an offensive rebound that bounced out. Jones had plenty. It was kind of an unlucky, you know, bounce, get it out to him. No one was there. Bang, you know, and then the next one was in transition. Slew comes down and all five guys, by the, by the time Brockovich, you know, has the ball at the top of the key to shoot, we've got five guys under the, the free throw line, you know, and, and like, I think two or three of them are facing the baseline. Like we're trying to get back, get set and they've just got shooters ready. And that kind of killed us in the game at Davidson a few weeks ago and and here it is again so it was it was the offensive rebound and then it was transition defense I thought until then when we were playing more of a half court game against him it was it was fine they were getting some looks they weren't perfect looks they weren't great we weren't giving them nearly as much time or space as we had in the past um and then once the transition defense started to catch up with us it was all over yeah and and we got killed on the boards too in this one Um, and why uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, they, we give up. We give up height to them, but like we gave up height against everybody with Nesbit or I was sorry with French yeah. and Goodwin, and we out rebounded everybody with those guys. Yeah, what, it's, like, I mean, it's a the, defense the, and rebounding. It's effort, man. Yeah, I mean, it, that, it's, that's that's it, right. Hey, it's either effort or okay. So I, I think it's you know, do we? Is it for not making adjustments or? or for is it a game plan or adjustment issue on Ford's end? Is it a game plan or adjustment issue on the player's end? Or is it just plain bad effort? Or 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 do the or or are they mentally soft? Let, I, I, okay, fine. Let me let me rephrase that for the current climate. Are they are they able to get punched in the mouth in a game and not fold? I, I mean, it's been that a problem. seems that seems to be a problem, and I, yeah. you know, it's a problem with Davidson being that they just they hit us, you know, with a couple threes and we we folded, and then there's the times where we folded because we were up big, and then you know a team started to do you know 
started to get the ball rolling downhill for them. And, and we just couldn't, we were like Indiana Jones running from it. Like, yeah, I mean, so yeah, that, so that's a lot of, it's a lot of different things to, to, to swing at. I mean, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing darts at a wall. Yeah, no, I know in terms of the coaching, um, I look, I, I don't know. I mean, like I was, I tweeted out like in the first part of this game, I was kind of like, Hey, whatever, whatever we did is, or, or, you know, whatever, whatever we learned from the last game has clearly been gotten because like these guys are playing twice as hard on defense. They look, they look pretty tight. You know, we're not hitting shots, but, but that'll come, you know, we look pretty good. I, I was actually, I was feeling really good at, up until, you know, like the, the 12, 13 minute mark that we talked about. Um, so I actually thought in terms of coaching, like, oh, okay, this is a different game. We've, we've, we're, you know, we're not going to get out coached by McKillop again. And then it all went to hell. I, I don't know how much of that was effort because by the end of the first half, it looked like we had already quit. You know, the, 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 the body language was bad by that. Um, so I, I, I don't know what that mix is, you know, um, that's something for, for Ford and those guys to figure out. And one of the, one of the things that I, I noted about this game was we, as far as we know, we're bringing everybody back. Right. And, and we're going to have reinforcements too. So yeah, we lose Jones, we lose Linson. We don't know for sure about Perkins yet, but, um, you know, I thought it was weird that I thought uh, Stu's answer, somebody asked Stu about, uh, you know, whether he thought Perkins would come back. And he said, I, I would have thought he would have said something on senior day. But I mean, again, he the, the recovery hasn't even reached the like, he hasn't even touched a ball yet. You know what I mean? Right. So I thought that was weird that he kind of assumed that he wasn't coming back because he didn't announce it on senior day. Yeah, I mean, we there's still, you know, and I, I've, I'm hearing more things that make it sound like he will than he won't, but I'm still yeah. hearing both. Um, and it's, it's just, what can you say about like, what are his pro prospects when he's not going to be able to play at the time that everybody is supposed to be playing, you know, to to put themselves on display for pros? So I don't know. Point is, we're 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 bringing back the same starting five next season. Davidson's going to lose Brockovich. They might lose another guy or two. I don't, I don't think Lee's going to jump to the pros yet. I, that's how I feel. Some other people disagree with me. I got, I got, I hope he does. I'm sure. But I never want to see him again. They're bringing in some, they're bringing in at least one recruit who's excellent and two more who seem to fit the mold of, of Davidson international guy, a guy who's six ten. you know, like, like they, they're going to be the same team next year. So like, whatever this is, we've got what, nine months or so yep. to figure it out uh, because we're, we're more or less going to be the same teams next season. And by the way, we're going to be two of the teams who people are picking to win the conference. So we, you know, we've got to show better against Davidson um, if we're going to have a shot to win this league. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You have to figure it out. You have to win. You have got to beat Davidson one time next year. And my guess is it'll be a home game. So it better, it damn well better be a home game. <laughs> I'm tired of playing them on the road. It's an absolute joke. Still never won there. I. What do we have? What's the, how does the pairing go for home and home three, three teams? 
Home, um, home and home. Uh, isn't it five? Um, because, oh, well, yeah, okay, five that makes sense. You do an eighteen-game schedule, so yeah, it's it's five. And um, now we have another team, so and now we have another team, so everything kind of gets thrown out. Uh, so yeah, who knows? But I mean, we'll have home and home with uh, Loyola for sure. That mm-hmm. that seems like a no-brainer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we have to play Davidson. If they don't, if they give us, if they give us one game against Davidson on the road, I'm rioting. Bernadette <laughs> McGlade will get a very angry email from me. Um, yeah, let's talk about the A10 tournament as a whole. Uh, the champion uh, was crowned today, and that was uh, uh, Chris Mooney and Richmond. Uh, I. I don't know. See, here's the problem. The Big East knows how to how to how to how to get more bids. Your number one seed falls off in the semifinals. They don't get to the final and shit the bed. Yeah. You, you they, they should have laid over laid over for us. You know, anybody who's a uh, you know, conspiracy theorist in terms of like uh uh conferences fixing these tournaments to 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 get themselves the most bids, I think this year may have been proof that the a10 does not know how to do that or that at least they're not doing it uh because it was certainly in their best interest to let us beat davidson and then probably go head to head with dayton in the final um and 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 try and get three in there you know i think that that would have been our maybe our formula to get three we beat davidson and then uh we we're too dayton. honest as a conference we beat dayton in the final and, and dayton being somehow the first team out as as, as we learned today um, we're getting into that in a minute. Yeah, we will because that's malarkey. But um, but at least if they win one more, face us in the final and lose, then then we actually have a legit shot at three. So, uh, but at the same time, I'm not sure what anyone could have done in that game against Davidson to fix it in our favor, uh, short of just fouling out their starting five in the first half mysteriously. Yeah, that it's. Uh... Uh, so richmond's a champion they are going to face iowa as a 12 seed uh at large goes to davidson and they get the 10 seed which i feel is they are under seeded mm-hmm. uh versus michigan state uh dayton is an alternate now well first of all let's talk about mvp is gilliard uh it's jacob gilliard uh 100 percent. the yeah. rest of the no, tournament no team question. was golden holmes um, Brykovich and lawyer. Um, but Dayton is an alternate man. What the hell? Uh, and, this, and, the, 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 I have theories. I want to hear what you have to, what you have to say. So what I'll say, so not only are they, what, what they're called an alternate, and I guess this is kind of like COVID era terminology, right? Like they've got, instead yeah. of just saying these are the first four out, they now call on the first four alternates as if, you know, I, I'm not aware of anything in the country in the last month and a half to two months, you know, any team being shut down at all for COVID. So I, no. I, just, I don't think, I think uh, Daniel, yeah. Daniel Ricardo over in, uh, in Europe in F1. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he's like the only athlete on earth that has gotten. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't think any team's going to, at this point, if they, if somebody tests positive, they're just going to like, you know, oh, he's back in his hotel room with the flu or something. They're not going to say, right? Well, like, the, no one, no one's going to say, "Hey, we're out for this." At least, uh, unless yeah, there no. are extra safeguards. But regardless, yeah. So Dayton um, is the first alternate 
um, uh, you know, first first four out this year. I don't understand that at all. I mean, a lot of the the bracketology kind of things I looked at, um, Dayton was anywhere from like four to eight in terms of like how far out they were. Um, I don't I don't get it at all, and I don't necessarily like the message either because they lose to Austin P, UMass Lowell, and um, uh, Lipscomb. Right, well, those were the three. In, in their second, third, and fourth games of the season, um, they beat Kansas, you know? So they've got that one, like, big, shiny signature win. They lose a terrible game at LaSalle uh, late in the conference season. Uh, the message here for me is not great because if you're a kind of middling power conference team, some of which got in this, this year, like Michigan State, like Indiana, um, you know, uh, uh, there were there were a few others as well, and I always I hate those. But if you're one of those teams, it's almost like why would I play an A10 school if I know I can afford a few losses against a bye game at home early in the year, um, and there's nobody in my conference if I'm you know in a power conference like LaSalle that I can lose to. So if I put together anything close to a 500 record in conference, I can even take a few hits in the in the non-conference year and still get in. It's just I just don't like what their resume being attractive to the committee says about what they value going forward. So that's what really bothers me about it. In addition to the fact that I hate Dayton. So yes. I, what, so, so give me your theories because oh, I, I think you're ready for, you're that, ready. That's for just the... kind of how I feel about it, but I don't necessarily have uh, theories on why it is. So, so I, I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And I, I expressed the, these theories to you uh, prior because I wanted to bring them up. And I think one of two scenarios in my head. First being that uh, the NCAA secretly uh, has minimum slots allocated. Now it's not minimum slots allocated to a conference. It's not exactly like the Champions League where, you know, a certain country gets X number of slots and that's it. I think... For sure, the NCAA views the A-10 as a two-bid league at minimum, year in, year out. And the NCAA was prepared to put Dayton in as the second A-10 team um, if Richmond lost today. Uh, And by virtue of Richmond winning, that that pushed the uh a10 over their minimum and now you look at the the resume right and clearly dayton's resume is not there but they're gonna put them as an alternate uh because of fan support and ticket sales because they're gonna you know they're gonna sell their dayton fans are gonna travel no matter what yeah. They really are. Like, it doesn't well, matter. I mean, I, as much as I pure straight hate them, their fan base is passionate as hell. But also, like, if they get that first four game, that's a home game. So it's it's not just it's not just ticket sales if they're playing, you know, the right. first round in Pittsburgh or something. If they're playing that play-in game in Dayton, mm-hmm. you've now sold out that arena and made it a crazy competition for tickets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it just, I think... Uh, I don't know. I really don't understand it. Uh, but that's, uh, that's my theory. I think, I think for sure 
um, Dayton was going to be, uh, I think they were, they were just, you know, the, I, I don't understand how you can throw out the first, uh, that first part of the schedule and just say, I mean, look, if the Billikens were to beat, would have beat Auburn, we had the better resume. Oh yeah. No that's doubt. A, that's a great point. Actually. No doubt. Unless Auburn, I think we, like, I think I've said it on the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm just like the Billikens beating Auburn was a would have been, was a better win would have been a better win than B- the Dayton beating Kansas and and he said like we have like just based on the aggregate of like Dayton's bad losses don't equal our bad losses, um, right. uh, you know I don't I don't know how else to kind of put it, um, but no, yeah I, I think I think it's a joke that they're even anywhere near the bubble. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I, I didn't, I didn't think they would even be in the first four out. I thought they were in the next four out, you know, like number five through eight. So I, I I'm, I don't know. I'm just kind of grossed out by the whole thing and having to deal with a 10 Twitter <laughs> about the whole thing. And slew seems to be their boogeyman lately. And, Dude, uh, it, lately. Yeah, no, Are I know. You new here? Over over the course of the season, it has become very clear to me that that SLU seems to be the most hated team in the A10. And I don't know if it's just because we're kind of an awkward fit in the conference. I don't know what it is, man, but they do not like us. Keep bringing this conference west. <laughs> yeah, give us more Loyolas. That's yeah, right. Belmont, bring Belmont through. I, yeah. I just, I, I'm tired of this conference. I'm tired of all the fan bases. They all just, they all like... It's a big circle jerk other than us. Like, I, I, it just feels like any chance they get to shit on us, it, they shit on us. And any chance they get to just pump each other's tires up, they do. Like, it's annoying. It, 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 it's, it's frustrating. Well, we would, we would do better for ourselves to, to, you know, to win the thing more often. Yes. Yeah. We, we, yes. Yes, because I, I, we, we quite, quite frankly, we have nowhere else to go. No, is, is the un, the unfortunate truth. <laughs> we, yeah, that's that's the inconvenient truth, so to speak. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, some happenings in the A10, specifically coaching changes. Um, two so far. Yeah, anyone who's been paying attention to UMass. Um, in the, in the Matt McCall era, which hopefully is uh, anyone listening to the show should not be surprised um, by him being let go. He was, he was on life support a couple of years ago, basically overhauled his entire roster, threw out his coaching staff, brought in all new people. You know, you, you had some, some promise with, with Trey Mitchell and a young Noah Fernandes and um, it never really materialized. It never really did. And so, so I think by this point there was, you know, the writing was on the wall at uh, at UMass um so I, I certainly was not the least bit surprised there that was actually he would have been to me the most obvious candidate in the whole conference you know even though they weren't necessarily the the, the worst team the other one was David Cox at Rhode Island um the thing that surprised me most there is how little money he makes um <laughs> his his base <laughs> does salary he make is... more than me well yeah, <laughs> he makes but I mean, relative to D1 yeah, coaches. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, so well, his his total compensation um, is is about seven hundred, and and his his base is about half of that. So so Rhode Island's only buying out a little over three hundred thousand um, dollars, 
um, to move on here. And, and the way Rhode Island played um, in the games where I watched them this season, like I just, man, I, I didn't see anything there. We've, t- we've talked about this recently because we played them late in the season and um, what a, what a horribly coached team <laughs> they were. I mean, like he seems like a perfectly nice guy. He brought in a lot of talented players and just did nothing with them. So it's unfortunate. Um, but in terms of guys who are still around, are you surprised by any? Uh, Dan Brott. Uh, your, send, your that, send that homie packing. <laughs> but, um, but they did the opposite, right? They, 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 oh, they didn't extend him, but I mean, they, we, he, he has the full, him and Billy Lang. I thought, I thought Lang might've been gone too. Uh, I could have seen five coaches, I think. Uh, I could have seen Cox, McCall, Christian, Dambrot, Lang. And if uh, if Richmond didn't go on this miracle in uh, <laughs> in DC run this year, what would have happened there? Like, say Richmond loses on on I feel like Saturday. I, I feel like I just did like a, a recreation of the uh, the meme from The Wire. <laughs> yeah, I can't even do it. He's he's rubbing his chin slowly for those not watching. Yes. Uh, no, I don't know, man. I don't. Yeah. I, I think it's close. I, I mean, does Richmond really care that much about basketball? Is the question. I think they do. Based no, on I mean, the... not that they don't care about it. But what are their realistic expectations for a coach? Is the real question. That, that's fair. Yeah. Um. I mean, certainly that that's a that's a school. I think they have the biggest endowment in the A10, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a very, very wealthy school fan base, alumni base. Um, they just, uh, renovated their arena within the last couple of years. It's beautiful. Um, extraordinary campus. Um, there's certainly some level of commitment to what they're doing there, but they, at the same time, they're not, there's not a culture there. That's like, if we don't make it at least once every three years, you're getting run off. I don't know what the expectation is there. Um, so I guess they feel like they were robbed in 2020 because of the COVID year, you know, so, so he's gotten a couple of years since then. And now, you know, miraculously they're, they're in because I, I was, I've been prepared to say like, what a, what a bust, you know, this, this, this great class that they've had for like five years now, um, what a bust that these guys never made a tournament, you know, like that. I think I tweeted out. I mean, they came so close to losing to Rhode Island. I mean, and I, I tweeted out, I said, losing to Rhode Island would be a fitting end to this class. They very, they came very, very close to losing today. Um, you know, against, uh, um, against Davidson or or, yeah, against Davidson. I mean, it, it, it really came down to final plays and, and Davidson gave themselves every chance to win that one. Um, so yeah, this is, it, it, it's kind of incredible and it, it's amazing. The fine line between, you know, we're in the tournament and we're firing our coach and starting over. <laughs> it really could have been that fine. So Mooney's another kind of funny case. If we're talking about uh, coaches in this league, and I don't think there's anybody, um, any coach in the league who's more polarizing among his own fan base, but maybe that's, uh, maybe that's changed as of this afternoon. I, I think my favorite thing that that uh, happens when like they talk, I think it's always in studio. Uh, they always have like the analysts are like, well, what do you think about uh, Rhode Island moving on from David Cox? I don't like it. Uh, I don't think they gave him enough time. He hasn't gotten his play. It's it's the same damn talking points sure. every time. It's hilarious because of course, what of course the coach that's that's the analyst on the TV is gonna tell you that. 
Because he's got, normally been through. Because he got fired. <laughs> he got fired. Like, yeah. I, I mean, anybody who's been fired knows it sucks, and it's right. you know, it's you don't talk about other like that's I don't I I I don't think it took me a long time to get Jim Cru to where I was done with Jim Cruz. It took me a long time. Yeah, because I, I don't like talking about it. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I know it's not a fun thing. And look, as as ready as I was to move on from Cruz, that final uh, press conference he gave, because because didn't it, it basically was concurrent with that last game, right? Yes, so he kind of gave his was... press conference in the post game, and he he talked straight for like eight minutes about letting people down, and he and how he felt bad and stuff like. That. And you're like, oh man, you know, like this is at the this is a human being, and this is like this the basketball program and the school, the institution I love that I've been so close with all these years, and it was hard to watch a human being up there having all of those complex emotions and feelings about uh you know what he'd done there in his career and everything and it was just kind of like man it's it's really easy to, to get on a message board to get on twitter to sit around and have a beer with your friends and complain about somebody and, and talk about how you need to fire him and then you got to look a guy in the eye and watch him talk about you know his family and his his, his assistants and his players and it's it's hard man I, I hate it too i wish no one ever had to be fired i really do yeah um let's talk about the nit man yeah uh, uh first of all i want to say one thing uh this nit game will be the first billiken game at chaffetz arena with zero health and safety protocols <laughs> uh congratulations i'm excited yeah I mean, it's exciting, man. Did it, like, really, did it really change much about your, uh, be, I was going to say, it's like, I've never, I've never seen you at a game with your arms folded and a mask on this, like even this season. So like, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think this probably doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad I didn't end up like John Stockton at Gonzaga or where are at Santa <laughs> Cla- Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. Wasn't yeah. It? I mean, Stockton got his tickets revoked, yeah, so which seems kind of silly at this point. Like, cause they probably took away all protocols over there. And never mind. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it's just silly that they did such like a drastic measure. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess they got to make like a... canceling his tickets. Like that's, that's insane. Uh, anyway, um, the Billikens are in the NIT, guys. Uh, get excited. Uh, UNI, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, it's on ESPN Plus for those out of town. Uh, you sh- everybody, all the season ticket holders that listen, you should have an email uh, from the ticket office. Uh, you can go in and buy your season ticket uh, for the game. I haven't looked at the price yet. Uh, I would imagine it's no more than $20. If it's more, I I'll actually look that up now. Pete, what do you think about this draw? Have you what do you what do you know about UNI? Anything? Yeah, UNI is one of those teams. Um, coming into this season, they actually were supposed to be pretty good. I mean, people were, you know, like this. This was a I don't know if you want to call it a a, a buzzed about team. I mean, it was definitely the expectations were pretty high. You know, I, I want to back up for a second just. Uh, it looks like tickets are going to be basically 15 or 20 bucks, depending on on where you sit. So just so people are aware. Um, But so, so, so they come out this season and they lose two of their first three at home. 
um, they wind up losing um, seven of their first 11 games, you know, so, so they're four and seven heading into conference play in the Valley and, and really having disappointed, uh, you know, basically everyone because, you know, they, they were thought to be a pretty good team. Now, the one win they did have in their non-conference that was pretty good, they beat at then, at then number 16 uh, ranked St. Bonaventure, 90 to 80. And that was at St. Bonaventure too. I remember that game pretty distinctly because it was kind of eye-opening thinking, whoa, you know, like we thought this St. Bonaventure team was going to be awesome. And here they are losing, losing to a Northern Iowa team that at the time was one and three. Um, so it was really a tale of two seasons for Northern Iowa. They, they really did, um, you know, buckle down in Valley play and say what you will about the Valley. It's, it's a solid conference. And they, they went on to win the regular season uh, with a 14 and four record. They did have some problems with Loyola. Um, two out of the three times they saw them, one being in the, in the Scott trade center in St. Louis in the, in the conference tournament, they had trouble scoring against them. Loyola is an excellent def- defensive team. That said, they, the last game of the regular season against Loyola um, at Northern Iowa, Northern Iowa wins 102 to 96 in overtime. So I don't know what happened to Loyola in that game because they, they really are a good defensive team. Um, Northern Iowa is a team that shoots a lot of threes. They can get hot. Um, I think they're pretty experienced. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing this scout on the fly, just so, yes. <laughs> just so people are aware. What, who, who should we look out for for Northern Iowa? Who's their, who are their top performers? A.J. Green is the guy. Um, he's a senior guard. He's, he's a local, too. He's, well, I don't know. Cedar Falls, Iowa. Where, where is, is well, I don't even know what town Northern Iowa is in. I should know that. So I, I think it is Cedar Falls, actually. Yes. Um, he scores about 19 a game. He also was uh, their highest rated recruit out of high school too, um, even though that's been four years. Um, he's an excellent player. And um, you've also got to look out for Noah Carter, score, who's a junior forward, um, 6'6", he's big, he's 230, scores 15 a game and, uh, and adds about four rebounds a game. And um, you know they've got another senior, 6'5", 200, Trey Burhow, um, out of Minnesota and he scores about 10 with about five rebounds a game. Yeah. That's a big guard. I don't like big guards against our team. Yeah. And so, so they, they do actually have some, some pretty decent size. They're not big inside really. Um, they've they got to travel senior... well too. Their, their fans travel very well. Yeah. And I would expect them to, I mean, they just, they were just down in St. Louis uh, yeah. last week. So I would expect them to travel again. Um, the, Austin Fife is a senior forward. He's 6'9", 250. Um, so he's, he's by far their, their biggest player inside, um, you know, their biggest rotation player, I should say. They, they do have some big guys uh, who don't really get in much. Um, but he only averages five and two, five and a half and, and about 2.2 rebounds. Um, so they, they kind of have a, an interesting lineup in that they're 6'4", 6'6", 6'5", 6'4". They've got him at 6'9". And then they've got a guy, Bowen Bourne, um, who's 5'11", 170. Um, so it's, it's not really, they're, they're kind of, I don't want to call them interchangeable parts, but they don't have a guy like Yuri, who's like their big assist guy. Nobody's got more than two and a half assists on this team, but they've got like eight guys who have at least one a game. You know what I mean? Uh, nobody's a really big rebounder on this team. Nobody's more than like five rebounds a game. 
but they've got a lot of guys who are kind of in that three to five range. They really spread it out. Um, and, and I think that's, that's, you know, that's something that's going to be a little tricky for us because we, we tend to have a, a little more of a specialist roster, right. In this era of positionless basketball. Yeah. Yeah. It's, ugh. I, I, uh, I'm always going to be nervous. It's winter go home basketball and I, I hate it. Yeah. And bad news for slew fans here. <laughs> this no, like, this team is a lot like Richmond. They barely foul. There are 342nd oh, in fouls th- per game. I thought you were going to announce an injury or something. No, 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 no. Yeah, don't I'm, scare I'm, me like sorry, that. Sorry, sorry. This is this is more just kind of scouting. I'm looking at kind of what they do. Um, they they don't foul a lot. They don't turn it over a lot. Like I said, they're not big, so they're just about last in the country in blocks. I want to see Okoro and, and Linson maybe pick on them a little bit inside in this one. They're not a good rebounding team. They're, uh, you know, about a bo- they're a bottom quarter rebounding team. Um, especially they don't hit the offensive glass at all. My hunch here, uh, not having watched them much this season, but given that they average fewer than seven offensive rebounds a game, we're probably going to see that kind of like Soderberg Majerus thing where they just really don't chase offensive rebounds. Um, they do shoot pretty well. They, they are 54% on their, on their two point attempts. Uh, there are 35% on their threes, which is, thank God they're not great. They're not, they're not great, but um, they seem like a fairly efficient team. That's probably going to kind of slow it down a little bit. Um, if I think if our defensive effort is like it was against Bonaventure and LaSalle, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't know this on paper, this looks like a team we should, we should be able to handle. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I said, Northern Iowa, 7 PM Wednesday, Chaffetz arena. Uh, if you've been, holding off going to games because of the the protocols at the arena. This is your chance to see the Billikens this year. Um, just point of fact, uh, it is. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the A10 women's basketball. Just give us a quick rundown of, of how this uh, how the conference tournament finished and who's going to the tournament. Yeah, so we've been talking all season about how you know we, we had about five or six teams coming into the conference that were, at the time, teams that would re- reasonably have a shot to get in, right? Um, we were not going to get five or six ever. We weren't going to get probably three or four ever uh, this year. But those there were there were a set of teams that could play their way into and at large reasonably. And for the first time in, is it ever or is it just? It's, I mean, I'm sure it isn't the first time ever, um, but the first time uh, it, it, at least several years, uh, we did get an at large bid on the women's side. Um, and that's Dayton because UMass won the conference tournament. They were one of the top three teams all season, along with Dayton and Rhode Island. And, um, and UMass was rewarded with a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament. They'll play a five seed Notre Dame, um, which is, which is a little low for Notre Dame typically. And that's a tough game that they'll, they'll play in Oklahoma. And then Dayton, this is the first time ever there's uh, the, you know, the, the play in round, the, even though the men's bracket expanded, the women's bracket did not expand to 68 until this year. Dayton is one of those four teams that will, um, that will play a, a, a play in game to get in. Um, or sorry, I guess one, one of eight teams that will play in a play in game. Technically they'll play DePaul. Both are, both of them are 11 seeds and they'll play in Ames, Iowa. The winner will play six seed Georgia also in Ames, Iowa. So um, really nice progress from the women's league this year. I mean, just, just 
great um, to have a solid top half and to have a few teams that had a shot at at-large bids going into the conference tournament. Just great progress. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to see um, to see that the women's basketball finally got two bids. It's been forever. Uh, I just wish it would have been the Billikens. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, com- coming into this season, we probably thought things would have been a little bit different. Uh, didn't work out, but uh, there's always next year. All right, Pete, let's, uh, let's move on to baseball. Um, this, uh, I, I give so much credit to, uh, to Hendo and, and any, really any baseball coach that's working, uh, up here in the Northern hemisphere, wait, the uh, North, North of the Mason Dixon line. Sorry. Yeah. North of the Mason Dixon line. Um, I really should have put that in the notes for that line. Uh, so I remembered it. Uh, but no, they have had so much, so many, such a fluid schedule. Uh, it's kind of crazy. The weekend, uh, series against IPFW, it's three games. They did get it all in, but what they did because of the temperatures, they played Thursday and Sunday. So like, you know, IPFW's here practicing too. Like, it's just crazy. Um, they played three games against IPFW, a really, really bad IPFW team. Uh, who is now one in 14 after this weekend. Uh, the Billikens take two of three. Uh, the only loss coming in a seven inning, uh, four, be, being a seven one, or a four to one loss in a seven inning game in which Trevor Harris took the loss. All earned runs were registered to Harris. Uh, that was on Sunday. That was the first game of Sunday. Thursday, uh, the Billikens win five to two uh, versus IPFW. Uh, run us down kind of what Billigan fans need to know about this one. Colton Hutt got the win. Uh, Jack Weber got the save. And um, Kusumano and Fogarty both homered in this one. Um, Fogarty, Veerling, Fitzgerald, Kusumano got the RBIs here. Um, just a solid all-around team effort in that win. Uh, and then, obviously, the loss. As I said, Trevor Harris got the loss. Uh, but we had a... Um, you know, at, at least one Billiken went deep in this one. Yeah, Fitzgerald homered in the seventh. Um, unfortunately, just a solo shot, but, um, you know, people love the long ball, so. <laughs> <laughs> chicks, chicks dig the long ball. Still one of the greatest sports commercials. Of all. Maybe the MLB should go back to something. To, maybe they should rock the edgier commercials back they, in the day. They need to do something because there's nothing but ill will around that season right now. Um, chicks dig the lockout. Uh, no, five, five to two win this afternoon. Uh, stop me if you've heard that score before. Yeah. Uh, run the Billiken fans down what they need to know. Yeah, Logan Schmidt got the win in this one. Um, Fogarty homers hits uh, two RBIs in. Redding Kusumano also pick up an RBI apiece, and Cameron Ferrer picks up the save. Uh, looking ahead for baseball uh, Tuesday uh, for those either working from home or able to, um, you know, watch TV at work. Uh, the Billikens will be at Mizzou and it'll be on the SEC Network Plus. Uh, it'll also be on the radio on KTGR. Uh, that's exciting, Pete. Yeah, so you'll be able to stream that one one of, I mean, either of those ways. Um, it's always exciting. We, we seem to have, you know, kind of a one-off game against Mizzou every season. And um, I don't know. I feel like, like, even though we don't always win, I, we, we kind of punch above our weight playing an SEC team, it feels like. 
Yeah, I agree. I always, I think that, you know, a lot, there are quite a number of players on this Billiken roster that have come from Mizzou. So there will be a little chip on the shoulder there. That's right. uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, Hendo's long been a, a St. Louis area guy. So he knows um, that a game against Missouri is important right. uh, to put your best foot forward. We'll see how that shakes out. Because the next day they have a game uh, at 2 p.m. here in back in St. Louis. Moorhead State comes to town for a one-off game on Wednesday, and uh, you know then we've got a, a weekend series against Austin P. Also at home. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see on that Moorhead State and Missouri game if if Hendo throws a staff game in both of them. Uh, a staff game for the uh, maybe unfamiliar. Uh, it's when you play you you set out and you're going to pitch say four pitchers. Each guy gets two innings. Gen generally it's a middle of the week situation. And uh, it's usually the freshmen and sophomores that, that get the run. Yeah. Um, softball. Uh, not much to talk about. Uh, just one game played because it looks like the Fordham series was pushed to Monday. Uh, they played Northern Kentucky, I believe on Tuesday, I want to say, uh, and uh, yeah, just run down the Billiken fans what they need to know. Yeah, so in this one um, against NKU, um, five five nothing shutout. Chloe uh, Wendling gets is the the winning pitcher here. Um, three RBIs for Kowalik, and then uh, Swiderski and Etling also uh, hit in a couple of RBIs. I, and I, like you said, they'll be playing uh, Fordham on Monday. Yeah, I believe that Kowalik had. Uh, two run home. She either had a three run home run or a two run home run and another RBI. Uh, but I know I believe she did homer. Uh, big week on tap for softball, as we talked about. Fordham Monday doubleheader, eleven and one thirty in the Bronx. Uh, but Tuesday they will play South Dakota at five p.m. here. Uh, a, a five game homestand this week. Busy week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, they will play South Dakota Tuesday. UT Martin Wednesday, Western Illinois Friday and Saturday doubleheader. Uh, so big week for them. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, not much to really talk about. I don't, I don't know what else to talk about about softball. No, they didn't do much this week, but that's a, this is an exhausting week. I feel like I feel bad <laughs> for them having to play a doubleheader in the Bronx. And then, uh, you know, just a, about 30 hours late, not, not even that. I mean, but, 26 hours after you finish against Fordham, you're going to be uh, first pitch at home against South Dakota. That's and we cool. know they're not flying private. Yeah. I mean, that's an ex just an exhausting week, man. Uh, I f uh, feel for them, but uh, I guess that's, that's early season outdoor sports. As I've said, there's no way I would have graduated had I played baseball at SLU. <laughs> I would never have kept my grades up. Um, not that I did anyway, but. Uh, men's True. men's uh, run us down the results from men's and women's tennis before we get out of here. Yeah. Men's tennis had a five two win against Eastern Illinois, and then they dropped uh, a four one result at NKU Northern Kentucky. And then today a four zero uh, result at Butler. They're five and eight on the season now. And uh, they, they've got a 10 day break. Uh, they just started are just starting. They don't play again until March 23rd against Illinois state. Uh, women's tennis, on the other hand, has been really hot. 
Um, seven, seven, nothing win at IUPUI four nothing at NKU. I don't know what they did against Butler today. Cause they like the men, they, they played there, but for whatever reason, the result is not on Twitter. It's not on either of the team's websites. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, you know, we'll update you. Um, but leading up to this, this match and Butler, by the way, is not good. They're four and 11. So hopefully that's another win, but I don't know. Um, but the women had won eight straight, um, leading up to this one uh they haven't lost since february 12th at louisville so uh, basically a full undefeated month for them and they've got now a nine and four record started one and four um so uh really impressive uh season they're putting together right now yeah i I, you know it's a tough sport um you know they've they there really is no history or any uh, history of success for tennis at slew uh, in general so I always feel like women's tennis though plays plays pretty decently um but yeah any anything else before we head out I, I've been trying to see how to get my tickets uh while you know I have downtime here uh, and I have no idea I gotta I'm gonna have to figure that out so I don't have any anything further to mention on that for Wednesday Pete anything you want to leave the fans with couple of things um everybody who can get out to the nit game i know it's the nit i know you know we're disappointed about the result uh, against davidson and wanted another shot um you know at, at richmond or dayton for the title but uh please get out there and support uh you know the bills in this um in this last game it's it's a uh, or, or the, i'm sorry the may probably the last home game uh i should say but but hopefully not their last game of the year um you know northern Iowa is a, a solid team and uh, uh, they're going to they're going to need every little X factor we can give them. Um, the, the other thing I want to say is in terms of the signed players who I mentioned last week still playing Nick Kramer's uh, slew high team lost to CBC in the state quarterfinals. Um, he had 14 points, uh, ran into some foul trouble in the first half. So his season's over. Um, but I did have an exciting thought that it really is only about two to three months before those guys start coming to campus uh, pretty regularly to uh, to start working out for next season. So um, it, it, it happens fast. Uh, the other thing that's exciting is Sincere Parker, uh, our JUCO signee, who's at Moberly Area College, a community college. They are playing in the, um, the JUCO uh, National Championship this week. Um, that starts, if you're listening to this on Monday the 14th, that is today. I hope you're listening in, in right away in the morning because the game um, is an early afternoon game. I believe it's a 1 p.m. Central time uh, game. They're the 17 overall seed. They're going to take on the 16 overall seed. And, the, and if they win, it's kind of an odd bracket. I think it's a 48-team uh, bracket, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it? Yeah, something like that. Um, if they win, they get the number one overall seed, which is uh, Salt Lake Community College. Um, so huge, huge opportunity for Parker who was the, uh, the region and district uh, player of the year. Um, and, you know, he's a big time scorer. So let's, uh, let's see what he can do tomorrow and hopefully make us proud. Yeah. Um, I, I am, I'm, I'm actually excited for Wednesday. I really wanted to, you know, I, anytime the Billikens play, I get, I get pumped up. It really doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. But that that wraps up the week that was in Billiken Athletics. Make sure you're following us on all social media, especially Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod, at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP. Uh, of course, we appreciate any and all suggestions you might have for our show. Uh, please go subscribe to the show on all platforms as well. 
if you haven't left us a review, that would be awesome too. Drop us five stars and uh, and tell us how good we're doing or maybe some constructive criticism. But the five stars is nice. Uh, as always, Pete, uh, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.